0: Monday, February 18th. Don't laugh. <laughs> it's LA podcast. This is Alyssa Walker.
1: This is an emotional it's- <laughs> episode for you. It sounds like
0: I'm, I'm, I'm getting over something. Who knows what, but I'm here.
1: It's your turn in the barrel. And we yeah, all got wait, everybody.
0: It's this weather.
1: Scott was laid out this past week. Mm -hmm. I will say, I know it's
2: Alyssa still showing up. She came. Yeah, that's impressive. She came and she did the the date announcement. Yeah. You couldn't even send in the date. I had other, you know, typhus, you know, just how am I supposed to handle all the typhus? Oh, we should have speculated that you, of course you had typhus.
0: Okay, we've got Scott Frazier, healthier. Hayes Davenport, healthy. Picture of health. Picture of health. And a big Big Newsweek.
1: Huge. Huge. So you have suggested, Alyssa, that we don't tell any stories this week because you, that would just like knock you the out stories are
0: what happened to us experiencing this news this week. That's right.
1: And mine is the same uh, sanctimony. The stuff that like makes me look good that I do every week and <laughs> uh, Scott was sick the whole time. Let's get into it. a lot of stuff. We got to put ourselves on a clock this week. There's so much. You like, to talk about the jail this, I think, was like one of the biggest moves of the, of the week. It was kind of early, um, so it sort of got washed out in later news. Uh, but reported by Maya Lau, of course, in the L.A. Times, uh, the L.A. County Supervisors, the five little kings that we've talked about in the past, uh, are they've been planning on tearing down Men's Central for a while. Yep. That has always been the discussion. What was up for debate was what they were going to build in its place. Uh, And I remember when years ago, a few years ago, when Sheila Kuehl was running, they were like talking about different plans for it. But it was going to be for a long time, basically a two billion dollar bigger jail. New jail. If people
0: don't know where it is, tell people where, what building we're talking about.
1: These are the, they're called the Twin Towers uh,
2: outside of downtown. You can see them from, it's basically right next to Union Station. Yes. In Chinatown. Uh, in the kind of like no man's land between Chinatown and the river.
1: Yes. Uh, So this, instead of building a new jail, they are going to build a mental health treatment facility for inmates. This is a pretty huge deal. Uh, Sort of a sea change in how we think about uh, correctional facilities in the city and in like California in general. And what's craziest to me is that it happened they just kind of did it. it. I mean, obviously, it's a product of a lot of advo- advocacy from many different groups who were really upset about the new jail plans. Uh, but it's not like they teased doing this for a while. It, it, it feels like it kind of just happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of like when you're saying the the, the reference to the supervisors being referred to as the five little kings for you know decades and decades uh current supervisor Janice Hahn, her father, Kenneth Hahn, was on the supervisorial board for uh I think like forty years or something mm-hmm. like that has the Hall of administration named after him. Yep. They have a ton ha- of power, ha- Kenneth Hahn ha- yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh like Kanye so. <laughs> uh, they have a ton of power and so that gives them the the latitude to do this kind of stuff with very little notice but um, but generally we don't see this abrupt of a break from an established plan, an established course of act- action so it's very surprising
0: and one that's kind of better than, than what we expected it to well, be much better ba- and, an
2: yeah. and is
1: it's, it necessary? I mean what uh, do you know A percentage uh, of inmates who are medically or mentally ill uh make up the county jail system i don't 70
2: yeah so and this is the the kind of thing where we constantly refer to in la men's central jail as the largest mental health facility in the country Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is extremely problematic because of course it is not a mental health facility uh, despite whatever uh the best intentions of the people charged with running the facility might be the fact of the matter is it is a uh it is a structure meant to enforce punitive and retributive justice against people who i mean 70% against people who are uh not like possessing the capacity to really take any of the retributive actions being taken against them and, yes. and turn it into anything positive for themselves that
1: said, it was a split vote. Uh, Sheila Kuehl and Hilda Solis voted against on the basis of too many beds. This new project is supposed to uh, uh, be able to fit about 4,000 inmates, which would make it more than twice as big as the biggest actual uh, mental health facility in the in the state. A Nor- right. normal number of beds for right. a place like this is something like 1,500. Um, and both of them basically said... It's, this is not a healthy environment for mental health patients if you're trying to fit that many people into this facility. Sure, yeah. Um, and I would say, I mean, I think that's still an important, those are very important voices at this time. Like the plans aren't like finalized. They voted, I feel like, on projects like this in the past yeah. that changed dramatically. Um, so yes, that would be good if it were, um, if it were a smaller facility.
2: Yeah, I think that what's interesting to me personally about this is that we do have, uh, as as we've discussed previously, I think you guys discussed while I was out. um, Now we have the uh, board of supervisors is four women and a single man, Mark Ridley Thomas, who is going to be termed out in two years. Um, The composition of the board has changed in a lot of dramatic ways recently Mm -hmm. in the way that they approach specifically, it seems like, issues of criminal justice. So we were talking about um, another site up in the Antelope Valley, I believe, where there were where there was going to be another jail facility near Loma in Lancaster. It was supposed to be a women's jail. That's correct. The same
1: day they killed that. Plan right uh and Catherine barger, who represents up there uh is uh talking about turning it into
2: affordable housing yeah so so now we're we're really I think seeing a major change of direction from from the board of supervisors. We talked about a couple weeks ago the fact that they don't have that much direct authority over uh Sheriff Villanueva mm-hmm but in terms of expenditures on jail facilities, which are then overseen by the sheriff's department, they have almost uh, unchecked authority. So it's it's interesting to see that play out.
1: Uh, another big project uh, this week, uh, a few big projects in L.A. Uh, ended, canceled by our mayor. The mayor's back, guys.
0: Well, he- was gone again, for one, because he did go to D.C. to testify about um, infrastructure. That's right. And he was gone. One last When
1: He was here for a minute. And when he was refocused on the city, uh, the, a, a bunch of council members and the mayor uh, worked together basically to do what they called their version of the Green New Deal uh, and to cancel three natural gas uh, plants uh, like a, a, like across LA County uh, that the Department of Water and Power was hoping to revive, uh, they, they shit-canned the, right. the, the plants as part of the effort to become carbon neutral by 2050. Um, the, the ones in El Segundo, where are the other ones? There's a scattergood plant in El Segundo, the harbor station uh, in Long Beach, uh, and the Haines uh, steam plant east of Long Beach. What does this mean? Is this a big deal? Is this going to change? Um, is this going to stop
2: climate change? I mean, <laughs> what, what do you think, Alyssa? I think
0: it was not just that, but the, the <laughs> second announcement that they made in council to create like LA's own Green New Deal, mm-hmm. which is something else that they've been talking about, which I don't know why, you know, we need,
2: we you don't know why we need our I, own Green New well, Deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why all the cities are, maybe it's just another way for the mayor to get in good with his DZ buds that he had that he you know, wants to laying out with or something. But um, so they endorsed this idea that we're also going to have ours, which I think if there's a federal one, we'll still have that one too. But um, it was this idea that we are going to take more dramatic and concrete steps um, towards the climate goals that we already have. I mean, we've had these goals for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, though, I didn't really see transportation part
2: yeah. of that. Yeah, <laughs> which, which is... Um which is upsetting because, I, I mean, I, I think the, something else that, that is very similar to what you're talking about, Alyssa, is like the the Paris Accord, right? When uh, President mm-hmm. Trump pulled the country out of uh, the global Paris Accord, making the United States one of the only countries that was not signed on ratifying our uh, commitment to certain climate change goals, Um Then cities across L.A. and across America and um, and states as well, we're saying we're going to maintain our commitment to this. I feel like it's a very similar thing to that. Like if there's not federal action on this uh, distinctly federal, like country level goal, then cities uh that feel very strongly about preventing climate change can do their part Uh, but I, i do think that like one of the things that you would reasonably expect that a city has the most control over is transportation urban transportation generates a disproportionately large share of greenhouse gas emissions especially in a place like los angeles where the vast majority of travel happens in single occupancy vehicles, running combustion engines, spewing greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. killing everybody. Um, And yet, like, the people that are specifically behind this L.A. version of a Green New Deal are also the people who are staunchly opposed to doing anything about Reducing emissions from LA's transportation sector, mm-hmm. which is, it's kind of like, I mean,
1: I have an idea. This is kind of a crazy idea. Yeah. What if? Um, so obviously, there's a lot of uh, car traffic going between LA and San Francisco. What if we built a train <laughs> that went really fast? You could get there in like two and a half hour, two hours and forty. I'm listening. Minutes, I'm maybe. listening. Is that an interesting idea? Uh oh no wait, that plan <laughs> oh, yeah. uh was if not cancelled, uh like sort of kneecapped this week. Uh Governor Gavin Newsom in his state of the state address in reference to high speed rail said, Let's be real and I was like, Uh oh, this that's not a not good going plan. well." <laughs>
0: Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, he, what's the new plan? The LA to San Francisco train. It does not look like it's going to happen for this foreseeable future. Not
0: if you are a journalist reporting on this and got to be at the receiving end of the governor's and high speed rail authorities campaign post speech to tell us that what we heard was not really that he was canceling it or kneecapping it it really sounded like
1: that. He said the project is currently planned would cost too much and take too long. There's been too little oversight and not enough transparency. Uh, it really sounded like I was listening he was to killing it. the project entirely. I was listening to it live
2: and my reaction... You was, said it was dead. Is that it's dead. Um, the, you it's, texted us immediately that I was, it was dead. I was furious. I actually remained quite angry about it. Um, the, the bullet train project from... Uh, L.A., from Anaheim, actually, to San Francisco, and with a second phase that was intended to take trains to Sacramento and down to San Diego, uh, was passed with some small amount of money by voters um, 10 years ago, not enough money to complete the project. It is uh, extremely true that this project has been mismanaged, and also that... um, a lot of the the financial bloat has come from the decisions that were made by politicians during the the grips of the recession to uh to route the rail line through the basically um through the central valley as opposed to along the 5 corridor a, a longer and more expensive route that was politically less popular um but basically this project has lived for you know, six to eight years, uh, by the grace of governor, Jerry Brown, um, every conceivable interest has been trying to kill this project. Mm -hmm. The California high speed rail authority has been doing their best to, uh, make the case that they are inept and completely (laughs) incompetent and should not be trusted with a multi tens of billions of dollars project. Um, And the only thing that was keeping it alive was the governor. Uh, So now new governor, new dad, basically uh, comes in and his first state of the state, he says, uh, as you said, Hayes, it's too expensive. It's going to take too long. But even more than that, he said, we need to focus on um, the. Merced to Bakersfield. A lot of jokesters chiming in on that one.
1: Oh, like a train between the major, like metropolitan areas of Merced and and, and Bakersfield. Right. A lot I, of people yucking it up.
2: <laughs> but but basically, he he actually recast the project during his speech as always having been about the economic development, the stitching together of. The eastern rural part of California and the western, uh, the western urban part of California, which is not the case. This is yeah. a, a project that was originally a transit project. Uh, it was it, something where reasonably Californians could have expected that the most effective use of money would have been to build high speed rail between San Diego and Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where uh, it's the second, uh, busiest train corridor outside of the northeast corridor between D.C. and Boston. Uh, but what we got instead was a statewide plan. Everybody in the state's paying money. That seems yep. reasonable. And and now it's like, well, what we always really wanted to do was reinvigorate the Central Valley, which was like such an afterthought in the original plan. And the or only not
0: even an afterthought, but a reason that it got approved maybe but because they were trying to pander to all these right, right. communities
2: yeah and and so I, I was I was very disappointed in that I, I was disappointed I do want to say a lot of people live there it's not like the total backwater well, yeah, that it was made out to be I
0: was really D- dis- disturbed. Also angry when I thought it was, you know, um, can-
1: you're not my cancel. real dad. What.
0: <laughs> but then, I, you know, from what they've told us now, that's not what he meant, even though he literally said there's no path forward or whatever. You got um, some angry. I mean, people in my thread, yeah. when I was trying to explain what was going on, were telling me horrible things about low-income people in the Central Valley and also about how stupid we are about climate change. And at the same time, both of those things were kind of like clashing in my mentions. And I was like, well, but I think like the first thing is, yes, a lot of people do live there and need to be able to go places. And that's great. Um, and since we are, building it already. It's not like we're going to stop building we're it. We're not. Yeah. And this, That's most this, of the way. This also wasn't a new idea. This is, was talked about in the California state legislature last year, multiple times. And basically the plan that he said in his state of the union that made it sound like it was some like big policy proposal right. was the plan that had already been voted on by everyone in the legislature. So it's like, yes, we knew we were going to finish that and then like fix the problem of going forward. And of course we're not going to not finish it because if you look at the segment from Merced to San Francisco, it's practically done or it could be an operational like transit system. Once that part gets finished, you could travel from Bakersfield to Merced and then either use the same train, just going slower to get to San Francisco. Once they electrify um, finish the electrification of Caltrain, which is the segment between San Jose and San Francisco. So many like East coast people, we're like, why are you building that train there? What well, who's doing this? Like, you got and I was like, it's been happening <laughs> for an years. East
1: Coast <laughs> accent. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was like- Thanks for paying attention finally to what we've been doing for literally years in this state. And it honestly
1: makes sense because they can't build one of the things that made the the final version of the train a lot slower than the initial one is they weren't going to build like elevated tracks through San Francisco because people lost their shit about the idea yeah. of those tracks casting shadows on their cucumbers can't or whatever. Stand, <laughs> can't stand the uh, shadows so just use the train I mean the, ra- the, the track that's already there whatever just use that it it's not going to be dramatically uh, different in terms of travel time. Uh, it would be annoying to have to switch trains. You
0: might not even have to do that. that and, I, yes. and I think I think what I interviewed a few people because I wanted to write a story being like, great, let's stop fighting. Let's stop rehashing this stuff. What do we do now? And I love the idea of breaking the project up into these six regional yep. you know, goals and having the cities around there trying to figure out the best way to do it. The right. hardest part is going to be getting from Bakersfield to you know the San Fernando Valley because yes. it's a geological conundrum. That's like the greatest engineering yes. feat that we are ever going we'll have to, to accomplish.
1: will park and ride to and Bakersfield. Don't throw, <laughs> you don't throw
0: your Elon Musk mentions in my timeline either because that was the only thing I had. If you had only listened to Elon Musk, <laughs> he's talking faster than everybody else. But I did hear one really good proposal, which is very relevant to LA specifically. Um, I talked to um, Ethan Elkin, who is a great, like, transportation scholar and rail expert. And he said, we should get the high speed rail portion between LA and San Diego built with a stop in Anaheim where the station already is Uh. built. It's there. Um, and just one stop in Anaheim, get that finished, show how great of a project that can be both, both ends are preparing for it.
1: How long would that trip. Trip It would be super fast. half an hour. That's a really short leg. That
0: could change a lot of people's lives and also show the economic viability of the project and have really good ridership numbers. So I like his idea of breaking up into segments and figuring out what works. And of course we'll probably have to vote on that again. Yeah. (laughs) I
2: I, I do agree that we should focus on the, the LA to stand. If we're I, I understand what you guys are saying, but basically this this amounts to blowing up the project as it has been worked on for the past ten years. If we're doing that, um, we uh, being Southern California, where uh, you know, like the majority of Californians live, and also where the greatest part of the demand that would not be met by the existing plans is, then we we should definitely look at. Ways that we could fund via cap and trade or whatever other means, uh, the LA to San Diego portion of this. I do want to say like the, the, the part of the speech, as I heard it, uh, when I was listening to it live, I haven't revisited it since then. Um, that stuck out to me the most was, I think that Gavin Newsom personally does not think that the project is a worthwhile political endeavor. It doesn't seem like he thinks it's something that is worth staking political capital on. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the the legislature before he gave this speech was already planning to the, the whole management thing that he kept coming back to, that was something the legislature had already filed multiple bills about changing the way that the uh, California high-speed rail uh, agency was authority was managed. Um, they've already been looking to strip the governor's power in that area, but the, Fundamental part of what he said to me was um, not what he said to you, <laughs>
1: to when me, he said spoke
2: to me from your perspective <laughs> to me, like, as my
0: dad, <laughs> as my dad, <laughs> to me, the, the, the
2: core, the core message was when he was talking about if we cancel this, he said, I want to talk to the people that are saying we should cancel this project. If we do that, then we send billions of dollars back to Donald Trump and I'm not OK with that. That was essentially the only reason that he gave why the project right. should continue. Right. So that to me says he doesn't think that it's really a good project. It's if anything, something that Just we don't want to give yeah. right. give money back to. And Trump. that,
0: yeah, I mean, he could have said new. Go- I mean, we know transportation is not a priority for this governor. Um, we he has not appointed. People to a lot of these positions yet that should be crafting this policy or might have been able to advise um, this part of the speech, but he could have used this time to say literally anything else except for what amounted to a project update on a very long term project that really is not going to probably even be done when he's a project update that made
1: people think that the project had been killed
0: that (laughs) that was so confusingly worded that a lot of people assumed it It just was like the worst moment and whether or not he meant it or whether or not he's actually in favor of it or maybe he is now um after seeing all this response um it was probably the worst first state of the state um, speech. Not a great foot to get (laughs) off on. Uh,
1: Let's get into a little bit of electoral politics. Uh, Kevin DeLeon announced this week that he is running for city council in uh, Council District 14 downtown, Mm -hmm. taking over. For Jose Huizar, we predicted that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, So who is in the field now? Rochelle Huizar, his wife, was <laughs> in out and out before anyone else even <laughs> entered. Uh, we've talked about possibly Miguel Santiago, um, a state representative from that area, um, and Wendy Carrillo, same thing, potentially getting in there. But Kevin DeLeon is the first one. I've heard people say... You know, he did pretty well against Diane Feinstein, but he lost to her in this district. And to that, I say he's not running against Diane Feinstein in this <laughs> election. She's really famous, like like more famous than he is basically anywhere in the state, probably in his own uh, district, which was um, just a little north of downtown. Uh, so I think like he should probably he gained a like a huge profile
2: boost from his senate run and also it's LA i mean yeah he's been here I, it's it it seems like he is an extremely strong candidate for this seat we also have you know the the council president herb wesson uh shortly leaving the city council so potentially there is some room for him to gain ground as a city council uh president candidate that i mean i, I imagine that it's a huge come down to be running for u.s senate to go to la city, city council, city council but, but he
1: wants to be mayor he's got to do something in between when he runs for mayor uh absolutely s- speaking of the mayor election i watched that documentary about Herbalife. Uh, about Bill Ackman and uh, betting on zero and betting its
2: herbal. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. It is I good, really and like there's
1: uh, a great appearance by Antonio Viragosa in it, um, talking about the importance of this uh, multi-level marketing scheme to the Latino uh, yeah. <laughs> community, yeah. just trying to help get the message out there. Also, announcing a run this this week, uh, State Senator Holly Mitchell is running for uh, the county supervisor in District 2 to replace Mark Ridley Thomas. And she's going to be running against Herb Wesson, the current council president. Uh, so Herb Wesson and Mark Ridley Thomas had this plan to basically switch seats. Uh, but now Holly so Mitchell. It's
2: so annoying when, right? when voters and, and candidates get in the way of those plans
1: like that. She's throwing a wrench in the gears. Uh, who is Who is Holly Mitchell?
2: Uh, Holly Mitchell is a prominent member of California's, uh, legislative black caucus. She is, uh, she's been in the, uh, Senate for a couple of ye- a couple of terms. And then before that she was in the assembly, she is mm-hmm. over on the, the west side, uh, basically like, uh, going from the Culver city area, uh, down basically overlapping with parts of Herb Wesson's district. Um, but, yes, yeah, she's been a prominent figure, particularly with the, the Me Too. Uh, I can't remember what the Sacramento brand of the Me Too movement yeah. was. But basically, when sexual harassment became a pro- uh, prominent issue in Sacramento, Holly Mitchell was one of the leading voices, along with Laura Friedman and, uh, of course, Christina Garcia. Who in- she cleared. Holly Mitchell uh, played a big part right. We used to talk about
1: with Christina Garcia almost every episode. She has really laid low uh, in the in the past year. Uh, but Holly Mitchell basically came out and said she you know she apologized and it's okay. And so for that reason Christina Garcia basically was able to
2: stay uh, in the in the State House. right. So uh, so as far as her impact in this race, as we've talked about, we have herb Wesson we have Jan Perry uh no love lost between the two of them. Yep. Holly Mitchell is coming in with a uh a considerable deal of legislative experience. Um and we now have three, I think you could say, relatively strong candidates. I, I'm interested in uh in seeing how this race plays out. I don't know what you guys personally think. I do, I do probably think that Wesson is still a favorite for the seat uh once the race comes around but uh Mitchell's addition more so than Perry is uh is worth paying attention to in my mind.
1: Yeah, I I think so too. Holly Mitchell, I mean, this would be she's had a lot of positions so far. I think she's going to have a lot more. I think she's a good candidate. Um, I think it depends on what happens with the city council scandal. If this thing really breaks open and it's already gotten into uh, Herb Wesson's office, which with his chief of staff, I think he's the front runner right now, but that is one of the things uh, that could, that could potentially take him down. And we did get a little more news in that city council scandal uh, this week. Another, just the, the, the creeping stain of it, Um, Has (laughs) has entered another office this time, uh, former 12th district uh, council member Mitch Englander, uh, as you uh, may remember, he uh, left the office for uh, literally greener pastures uh, (laughs) to become a sports lobbyist. Uh, for the interests of arena managers and uh, other uh, sports people leading up to the Olympics.
2: Uh, What happened, Scott? So basically now we are seeing uh, L.A. Times journalists, particularly Emily Alpert Reyes and David Zonizer, who cover the the City Hall beat, start to uh, dive into the what they call behested, uh, I mean, I guess what are known as behested donations, um, which are made basically to causes that are favored by particular elected officials, uh, by wealthy individuals, corporations, donors, things of that nature. Um, We're seeing those kind of donations be given a lot more scrutiny with, which makes sense given the fact that the FBI has, possibly uncovered major corruption in City Hall. What, what has been discovered this week by uh, the LA Times is specifically that the uh, one of the branches of the, the YMCA in the San Fernando Valley, which mm-hmm. was in uh, Mitch Englander's former district, uh, was the recipient of and actually sought out donations with uh, Mitch Englander's name attached to them, Uh, for a number of events, and uh, Englander was uh, interviewed for the story, so was his lawyer. Uh, They they actually say that there's nothing wrong with the, the way that things were done, that the YMCA basically could have done any of these requests for donations without his knowledge, even though there are instances of Uh, letters coming like with his picture on them with pictures of city hall, the kind of things that really give you the impression that, um, well, a city council member is asking you for money for an event. Uh, And, and they did rake in lots of money from prominent groups, uh, including those uh, for instance, some major uh, sanitation contractors who had, potentially open bids for work at city hall. Uh, One of the main focuses of this uh, story at this point in time is the fact that LA has a relatively lax standard for when these type of behested donations need to be reported by a council member. If it's under Mm -hmm. uh, $5,000 for an individual donation, the council members don't have to report it as something that don't they, have to report it. Well, yeah. so uh, that's a lot. That is a lot. It's, it's more than, uh, it's more than other cities yeah. and it, it is a considerable sum of money to be able to request somebody pay to a specific cause and not have to make any note of it whatsoever. Yeah.
1: But I think we're going to, we've talked about it on the show in the past. I think we're going to see it but just basically coming out that this is standard operating pr- procedure, this kind of, behavior of some event that you're having having you can reach out to basically any uh institution that you do business with and in city hall as long as it's going not going directly in your pocket i think the council members will say that it's pretty much fair game they'll say like these are charitable causes or like like events that we're doing that yeah. you know as
2: stakeholders in the city these companies should be supporting anyway at the same time though uh given the given the environment that we're in currently and the fact that we don't currently know where this investigation with the uh into the activities of Jose Huizar and and other members of the council we don't know where the investigation is heading um i think that it is pretty pretty critical that this is coming up at this point in time i mean Reyes and Zanazer are literally in city hall every day. Um, The fact that this is being brought up at all at this point in time, even with Englander out of office, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is suggestive of the fact that there is, um, whether it is illegal or merely unethical, Mm -hmm. there are uh, stories of this nature that are going to come out in greater detail perhaps than we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, This was uh, kind of an interesting story. Uh, I I saw a headline the other day uh, in the LA times like two weeks ago at this point um, about how uh, a leader, the the board chairman and a major fundraiser of the gay men's chorus uh, was, was leaving under accusations of misconduct. And I was like, okay, I read the article and then it turned out to be John Duran Uh, which I think was worth mentioning in the headline John Duran uh, was mayor of West is currently mayor of West Hollywood Mm -hmm. has been a major political figure there for years and years ran a legit campaign uh, for county supervisor against Sheila Kuehl a few years ago didn't make a runoff it was him and uh, Bobby Shriver and uh, who were running against Kuehl at the time. Um, I, I remember I was living in that district at the time and voted for him. I'm not really sure what I think I just listened to an interview with him that I liked. Uh, but he was accused of inappropriate touching and comments uh, and, and, and left the gay men's course. And this has gone back to West Hollywood, where he has been accused of sexual harassment uh, by his former council deputy, uh, who he hired after meeting him on grinder uh, in the, in the past and John Duran this is a very sexualized mayor he has uh, been uh, caught was not ashamed of it but uh, browsing grinder at council meetings right <laughs> uh, you can just like see it in, in photos as people are trying to talk to him he's on grinder
0: well, he's got a hire, hire staff members <laughs> somehow I mean how's he gonna find these people?
1: And he also has uh, been uh, connected recently to Ed Buck, uh, the Democratic donor right. who lives in West Hollywood, uh, who uh, had two black men die in his apartment over the last uh, two years of overdoses, um, presumably as a, as a result of uh, some kind of illicit uh, behavior in that apartment. He actually worked for Ed Buck as an attorney. Uh, and this, uh, he... John Duran is making the case that this is about a culture clash and that West Hollywood is like the kind of thing. Freewheeling sexual culture. And he says that people express themselves differently here. It's a more sexually open community. And that means it's not harassment. Uh, And as
2: when you're literally the mayor, I feel (laughs) like you don't get to necessarily make that unilateral or do you because you're the bear <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: that yeah i i feel the same way i'm not a member of the lgbtqia plus community but i you do sort of feel like it's up to the victim in right. any in any community right? also, to just be like, it's, hey, it's
0: we it's not like the west hollywood leadership is all made up of gay men who are just like That's hanging true. out together there's a right. lot of women who are not part of that community as well. So wouldn't that, wouldn't you want also consider that you're creating like kind of a different type of boys club that is exclusionary and possibly uh, troubling for people that work with you?
1: Yeah. And he uh, has sort of framed it as like misunderstood signals and things like that. But he is accused of uh, Durant slipping his hand inside one of the chorus members waistbands uh, and making uh, sexually charged uh, comments. Um, so it does, I mean, it, it feels like this is the first time I can remember that the, a reckoning like this has come to West Hollywood, but, uh, if it were going to happen to anyone, it does seem like John Duran would be, uh, the one, the, yeah. a, a sort of likely candidate for it. Uh, we have like a sheriff's department and three this week. <laughs> um, but let's, we'll focus on the big ones. um, L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva is back in the news. He's been making the case over the last few weeks that the jails are a very dangerous place uh, for both inmates and uh, and guards and staff members. But like in particular, in his view, for staff members, he says that jail violence has has gone way, way up. And specifically that his predecessor, Jim McDonald, covered up this
2: violence. Uh, but, we talked about this in in previous episodes in in uh, the context of Villanueva accusing McDonald of running a social experiment, uh, basically when he was trying to uh, reduce the amount of violence perpetrated by officials in jails against inmates. Yeah, that that
1: was making the jails less safe, right. for uh, for guards and for deputies. Uh, and then the inmates could essentially commit more violence against them. It turns out that the data that Alex Villanueva is using is cherry picked. It is like a generous term. It seems like it doesn't it really doesn't come from anywhere specific. Uh, they don't have there, there is no tracking method for jail violence. In the, in the sheriff's department, it turns out. The Citizens Commission on Jail Violence a few years ago uh, pointed this out, that there's no way to, to to track the amount of violence that takes place there. Um, their software systems are basically non-functional. Uh, they either don't count assaults or count them twice. Uh, so maybe it all evens out because uh, they, they do it so poorly. Uh, but in general, it doesn't seem like the numbers he is using are correct and that uh, it's really coming from anywhere except his personal vendetta against Jim McDonald, which seems to be driving pretty much everything that he's, he's done so far. Hi, Bart. Hey, Bart. And I have to say now, this is my cat Bart. He was the one uh, that uh, convinced me to endorse Alex Villanueva (laughs) at at the time. So I'm so glad you're here, Bart. I really think that was a bad decision uh, and I, I disavow it. What do you think Bart?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know Dior, so, I think that was you Alessa. That's, that's, yeah. that sounds like your point. I, I I think it's it's uh it's actually unusual to see uh any public official you know the 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 sheriff being the head of the largest uh police force in l a county also being the the uh overseer of our jail facilities, it's unusual to see any elected official. Rebuked in this way, not in an editorial by the Times, but actually just in in a, in, in a journalistic article, uh, again by uh, Maya Lau. In this case, the the way that the the numbers are discussed, it does seem like this is the kind of thing that there is no reasonable. Way that the sheriff should have been able to make these kind of claims mm-hmm. without a better basis for what he was trying to say. The way that it is uh, currently framed, it does seem like there's not really anything besides the, the personal vendetta, as you called it, mm-hmm. that uh, Hayes that really is causing him to try to undo all of the all, all of his predecessors. Uh, Goals, which is not a good way to run a jail system or any public organization, but especially not one that uh, so many people's lives are wrapped up in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, More news in the sheriff's department. We've talked about former sheriff Lee Baca many times uh, has been convicted seemingly over and over again. Uh, for conspiracy, for uh, hiding informants uh, from FBI agents of all kinds of malfeasance. Uh, He was... uh, First trial was a mistrial. Second trial, he was convicted. Uh, Then he appealed, and the appeal this week did not go his way. Right. Uh, he He was sentenced to three years in prison out of the appeal. So it seems like he could actually be going to jail or... Is he going to file uh, and uh, like a, another appeal to the Federal, Ninth Circuit, yeah, or is this going to go to the Supreme Court based on this trial?
2: I can't imagine it's ever going to end. Uh, and I, I, this is not that it doesn't seem to me like the kind of case that the Supreme Court would have any. Interest I don't think so hearing, And the Ninth um,
1: Circuit might just say enough is enough.
2: Yeah, it. it uh, I, I'm not really sure. It does seem like he's running out of uh, options besides to go to jail. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty much what it seems like it's headed.
1: Yeah. Uh, 21 uh, people associated with the sheriff's department now in total were convicted of uh, crimes associated with this FBI investigation, including our guest friend of the show, uh, James Sexton, who is now uh, out of prison and, and, and walking free. Uh, okay. How much time do we have left? About fourteen minutes. Perfect. That's all the time we need uh, <laughs> to uh, to endorse our individual picks. Uh, for District Five of LAUSD, Scott, you listened to our episode last week. You passed the enough to the catch test. the
2: shade that was thrown my <laughs> direction.
1: <laughs> uh, you uh, you acknowledged that you were listening like at like eight a.m. You like woke well, no, I know you woke up at like to, five, so you were you had actually been up for I a while before you to decided to start listening. Um, you heard our interview with Kyle Stokes from yeah. KPCC. Uh, where we talked about this election, you heard about uh, the, the front runners, Jackie Goldberg, who is seen as representing uh, the, the teachers union, is the pick of the teachers union, was actually a LAUSD board member uh, in the past. Uh, Heather Repenning, Uh, who came out of the public works department Has says worked uh, for the mayor in the past, got the endorsement of the mayor and endorsements of many other uh, officials around the city uh, and has gotten most of her money from another union, uh, the SEIU. Uh, And so out of that, Conversation. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first with their uh, with their pick for well, this, this is race? Your
0: guys's vote, not mine. I don't get to vote, so yeah.
1: But I don't. I don't I'm think just, that. I'm just saying maybe absolves I absolves you. I'm not. Being, I'm not a,
0: being absolved. I am a person who you do has have children. To give a, a, but I I want to moderate a discussion between you guys. Is what okay, I'm saying.
2: Okay. Okay. So uh, uh, what I want to start with is. Like what, what is the actual role of, of somebody who sits on the LAUSD board of education? I think that's a great, absolutely
1: a conversation
2: worth having. I I really, so I want to talk about it because, uh, the LA times came out with their endorsement. Uh, they endorsed Cynthia Gonzalez. Um, and it was someone, by the way, I admit we had not even talked about talk in the about episode of yeah. Kyle
1: Stokes. And this was seen as like a pretty surprising endorsement yeah, they, they in what was that, considered a basically a two horse race.
2: Right. They admitted that they were backing a dark horse candidate. The Times editorial board was basically saying that. Their reason for doing that was that they wanted somebody who was non-ideological. They talked about the the context that we've brought up several times they, on they this show. They didn't say she was non-ideological. Uh,
1: they 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 said that she was basically said that she was not an extremist. They said that she was not an ideologue.
2: So okay, that, 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 there is there's a nuance there. You're yes. right. Uh, so but but the the context for that is as we've discussed many times on this show that there is a divide between pro-charter and pro-union that is fairly Manichean in its structure. There is a binary yes. half to what happens on the LeUSD board. And the, the Times was saying that that is not ultimately beneficial to the students. They actually, I think in the in the editorial, they said that what they want to see is somebody who is going to help the superintendent achieved the goals of bringing some sort of substantive reform to the district. Right. Is that what you think the, the role cause I, the, I'm interested in hearing what you think the role of, well, of
1: uh, Kyle education. Stokes uh, kind of brought us down to earth on this because we have definitely framed the school board in the past as being uh, fully factionalized at this right. like that they're just these two wings. But Kyle talked about how Monica Garcia voted for a charter school moratorium uh, just about a week and a half ago. Right. That's pretty crazy for someone who is as strongly associated with the charter movement as anyone in the city, basically. Um, And he said that the board with like a, maybe one or two exceptions is like a little more nuanced uh, than just being split down the middle. And of course, someone uh, from the union wing uh, voted for Austin Butner, who is now demonized as just being a, a like a, a puppet of charter schools uh, right. in uh, Richard Vladovic. So I think th- it is an interesting question. Are you on this board? Just a vote. Uh, for one cause or another, or is it a position from which you can really get stuff done and have a more like nuanced perspective and bring uh, bring real change to this institution that needs a, a huge amount of it? Uh, I think that is a question worth asking. What what they said about um well here you go first and say who your um who your pick is and I'll say why I'm not picking that person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, So, so my endorsement in this race, uh, LAOC district seat, uh, five would be, I I think I am going to go with Jackie Goldberg and, um, I don't think that she's a perfect choice, as you've discussed, uh, you you saw her at a. I don't think I've talked about it on the show. You have, okay. Yeah, you actually you were at a like homeless. Oh yes, service. I did talk about. Yeah, it on the and and, it was, and she was, was my LA story present. Uh, Jackie Goldberg was present, basically saying that homeless housing shouldn't be built at a specific site in Echo Park. Uh, I think that's troubling. I think that's legitimately troubling. Um, Again, I come back to this notion of like, what is what is actually the job of sitting on the LAUSD Board of Education? Uh, And you can't discount the fact that a a significant number of LAUSD students are homeless or on or at risk, yeah, at risk of uh, falling into homelessness. Um, so it is, it is disturbing to me that somebody that I would even be endorsing to, to join the, the school district board uh, for a second time would be opposed to the siting of homeless housing in communities that are transit accessible, that are near jobs. Um, that is the kind of thing that we should and need to be doing. That being said, I I think that the nuance that that you discussed with with Kyle Stokes, um, some of the like variety that exists on the board currently Mm -hmm. has been more or less forced into existence by public support, popular support for the strike that we just had, uh, making a lot of more aggressive uh, pushes for a diversification of school typology of more charters in the district, sort of untenable. Mm. Uh, I think even if you take, uh, even if you take it to be true that popular support for the teachers union was not necessarily uh, about the pro or anti charter question, which I think is, is probably true. It does kind of make the aggressive push, the push that we saw from uh, the Broads and, um, you know, Reed Hastings and, and and people like that earlier this decade seem like they are not politically going to get off the ground anytime soon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, I do think that it would be really good to see somebody who is backed by the union who could get. Uh, honestly, I have to say. I'm fully bought into the vision of LAUSD that we've been presented with by teachers. Um, And that more than anything is what I would like to see come to fruition. So that, that would be my pick.
1: Uh, I totally understand that. Uh, As, as, as you mentioned, uh, the, my thing with Jackie Goldberg not supporting uh, supportive housing in her district, to me, the thing that makes me most worry about it is I saw it as a purely political move. She was brought there by an influential organization uh, that is is going to work to get out votes for her. It was a transactional appearance, right in my opinion. I don't see any any other. I, I, know, I know that's why Maria uh, Elena Durazo showed up for it as well. They right. were They were brought out there. I'm sure lots of other candidates would do the same if if offered uh, help in the election by uh, an organization like El Centro. But she did it. And that's discouraging for me that L.A. Times called her too ideological. I don't think that's a move that's like ideological enough. I want someone who is not going to do something as. I think damaging as as fighting uh, homeless housing in an area like Echo Park where it should go on sunset where that has perfect transit accessibility uh, that doesn't like take away on a city parking lot that uh, where the basketball court that is currently on it is going to be replaced. It's not going to take any uses. I think that's a great project. I agree. And I think a politician uh, going to uh, to fight. A project like that is not uh excusable to me i totally agree with you about um an LAU a a, 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 a utla candidate um heather repenting i appreciate that she uh, supported the strike she was red for red she was out there all day every day right. uh <laughs> it would have been very easy for her to tack the other way yep. and try and get charter money, but they didn't endorse her. Who knows what would happen in the, in the runoff once, uh, once it's down to two people. Right. Um, I think Alyssa has mentioned in the past that uh, parents are not well represented on this board. There aren't any right now. Uh, she would be the first uh, to currently be on the board. I think that is important. Uh, I also think some, I, I think representation is an issue yep. on this board. Uh, and especially in this seat, this is supposed to be a Latino seat. It was drawn that way. Yep. Uh, the last representative was Latino and ref Rodriguez, but he, he was from the Northern section of the district. Uh, he, he, neither Jackie Goldberg, nor him, nor Heather Repenning are from the much bigger gateway cities section. Uh, and I think someone who knows that, area intimately. I mean, the reality is that most people that live up in this part of the city have no association with the gateway cities whatsoever. It's true. And
2: I I was actually really happy to hear you guys uh, take this on in your interview with Kyle Stokes, because it's something that I've been uh, talking a lot with people about recently. Uh, The way that districts are gerrymandered in LA is, is extremely troubling. I, if we, actually look at a, a map of district five in the the school district mm-hmm. it is uh it's egregious you, you know there yeah. there, are, there are like sections of it that are just uh you know a couple hundred feet across as it cuts through east la basically just so you can tack a very large geographically less dense part of la city with the smaller much denser parts of the gateway cities yes. uh, that happen to be part of LAUSD and whose families have no uh no ability to actually vote on the way that they are represented in LA like the the LA charter that governs how the board of education is drawn up yep. how uh representatives are chosen when they're chosen Nobody who lives outside of L.A. Mm -hmm. has the ability to vote on that. They do have the ability to vote on their representatives for this particular seat. But it's uh, it is very it seems extremely discriminatory. And I think that part of District
1: five is really where it's going down right now and where the reform really needs to happen. We definitely have um, some not great schools up in the northern part of the district, But some huge percentage of LAUSD, I think like 15, 20 percent are English language learners and our English language learners in LA underperform English language learners in every other part of the state. We are absolutely failing this giant population in this city. Uh, So I think someone that represents that community is important to have on the board and especially from this seat I really, God knows that I'm not going by an LA times endorsement and any decision right. that I make. I think some of them in the past have been very flimsy. I like Cynthia Gonzalez. Uh, she's a principal. She is a parent. Uh, she's a principal at a pilot school, uh, but it is that it's an L.A.USD school right. with UTLA uh, teachers. Uh, I read an interview she did with Speak Up, which is basically, you know, like United Parents uh, Charter Advocacy uh, Organization. Uh, But she talked about the problems facing the district in a really smart way. Her daughter uh, is at a middle school in the magnet program Mm -hmm. uh, for, like, gifted students. But she talks about that. You know, she she loves the school. She loves how she talks about how great the staff is with the kids, how much they respect everybody. But then how much... The magnet program has hurt the regular uh, campus at this at this middle school, how you take the gifted kids out, uh, how the parents are more knowledgeable and they can get their kids into these programs. Uh, and you and then what these schools are left with are special education students and English learners. And she yep. talks about schools, they mentioned this in the, in the LA Times uh, endorsement, that are 80% uh, either special education or non-English, uh, uh, or, yep. or, or, or English learning, which means that they have basically no chance of meeting graduation goals. Yeah. Uh, and she talks about char- charters as being a part of this same problem, pulling kids out of, out of schools, leaving schools that are essentially doomed to fail. Uh, I think, you know, I'm sure Jackie Goldberg talks about these same things, but this is a very clear eyed analysis of the school where her daughter goes uh, as being not really a sustainable solution in this, uh, in this city. Uh, I think I appreciate, I I think Heather repenting is really smart. I think there's a very good chance that she would do a good job. I don't love the idea of someone coming from outside education, uh, for, for a job like That's this. Fair. And yeah. I think it's like being a parent is obviously being very involved in education. Uh, but I think if there are alternatives who who have been steeped in this for a really long time, uh, I think those are better candidates. Uh, she's from the area. She went to LUSD. She's from, uh, grew up in Huntington Park and I think lives in Cudahy now. Um, I think that is who I'm going to vote for. I like Graciela Ortiz too, but I, she really kind of left herself open for that charter endorsement, uh, mm-hmm. when it was still kind of up in the air, uh, in a way that I thought, uh, sort of turned me off right. uh, a little bit. I think she's smart. I, I, I think she would also probably do a good job, but I think I am, uh, going to vote for Cynthia Gonzalez. Who I mean, won? Elizabeth. Who
0: do you think is going to win? Cause I, I, I think that's another thing to think about is, um,
1: yeah, it's,
0: is it a possibility where you might need to throw in a protest vote to get this person who is probably going to win, not to win. Do you feel that? Well,
1: and it was kind of funny. I had, um, DSE, DSA people who, uh, are probably listening to this and know who they are, uh, come after me and say like, well, if you don't vote for Jackie Goldberg, you're basically voting for Heather right. Repenning. Right. You're basically throwing away your vote, which I thought, uh, from, uh, like leftists is, uh, is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not going to be a huge turnout election.
0: And it's going to be mostly white people in the Northern district who are going to vote, who are voting yes, because
1: people are showing up, uh, to, with their candidate in mind, Goldberg and repenting are definitely bringing much more money than any of the other candidates. Repenting is in the lead in that respect. Uh, yeah, I mean, but then, I mean, there's a, it's a runoff coming out of this. I can choose between the two of them later. Uh, if, if that's inevitable, uh, and I might as well now vote for the candidate who I think I, w- I would actually like to see win. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Um, oh, so who won, Alyssa?
0: Who? Who uh, In your debates? Yeah, you're moderate. This was an amazing debate, guys. <laughs> I just want to say. Uh, I mean, I think it's a really tough decision. And I think it's exactly what you're saying is right. Since it will probably be a runoff between the two white women. Um, who have the front runners um uh yeah Quite I would I would love to see someone like Cynthia become one of the two choices um, and really give the families a choice when the when the runoff uh, when the second election another election um has to happen and I do I do agree representation is super important in this district um and also making sure that it's apparent I think that's a version of representation that is yeah. really 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 important and um as someone who is going through these same challenges right now, trying to figure out how do we make our neighborhood school, the best school it can possibly be Mm -hmm. and be a part of it and make sure it addresses all those um, challenges. I would love to put somebody in there that has been a principal and a teacher and a parent and done all those things. Um, And that's, the only candidate um, that you're saying uh, has who has done all of those things.
1: There may be other candidates there may who be are a little farther right. down. Of
0: course. I mean, I'm not saying she's the only one, the list, tip, but she's but. the one in the one we've discussed um, today. And it's funny. We, yeah, we did not talk about her at all with, at with all. Kyle and maybe he agrees that she's probably too um, far down the list as far as at fundraising and money won't hurt. That's a
1: pretty big yeah, one.
0: That's great. It's great to see. So Uh.
1: anything. Oh, the apple pan sold. Little, just a little uh, capper on this episode. Uh, we speculated that the Apple Pan might be uh, be turned into like a surplus office space for Google that's moving in uh, to the Westside Pavilion across the street, but no, uh, it was sold. It was sold to Irving Azoff. Uh, the major developer and uh, well, he was forum involved in the, guy. Yeah. The forum guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um And he has pledged to not, not to touch it. Oh, to keep it exactly the same. I'm sure he's never broken a promise. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a trustworthy. Code. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's prime real estate and it definitely doesn't make as much money as it as it could even with the amount of seating that it has i've walked away from it many times i do love the that line we have too the,
2: the apple pan and the google plex next to yep. each other now do I, you know here's what i bet is going to happen
1: okay. original apple pan will stay there i bet we get uh another an, an additional apple pan
0: Inside the Google facility. uh,
1: Either, yes, as as, as part of, like, the Westside Pavilion or, um, oh, yeah, maybe that's how he'll keep his promise. He won't touch the apple pan, but it'll just be, like, a museum piece. Well, they have,
0: like, at the (laughs) the Google, like, facilities in, like, Playa Vista, they have, like, full restaurants inside of them that you can't go to. Yeah. So I could see they just, like, create a different one. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, has a wall of glass in front of the other
2: one. I'm normally opposed to that, but I feel like it's you know, kind of exactly what the nice people of Rancho park deserves. So. <laughs> uh,
1: thank you for listening to LA podcast. Thank you so much, Alyssa for gotta get out. We will be back next week. Goodbye. Yeah.